You're listening to Range Minded from Independence Indoor Shooting. Before we get started, if you haven't already, please subscribe to us and leave some feedback for us from wherever you get your podcasts. We really do appreciate it. This is episode 69, a sort of two-parter where we first talk about striking a balance between having your firearms securely locked up but also having them ready to access if need be. We also go over some current events that have been going on, but uh, keep in mind that this podcast was recorded before the uh, tragic events of this past weekend, and I think we're going to do a special episode about that next week. But for now, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy episode 69 of Range Minded, The Balancing of Security and Accessibility. Hello and welcome to Range Minded from Independence Indoor Shooting. My name is Mark Long and I am joined by... Tiny Dancer. Oh wait, no. (laughs) Steve Zimmerman, it's me again. Tiny Dancer is what you go by on the weekends. What? uh, Why do you keep forgetting my name every time we do a podcast? I don't know, maybe because you don't write your name on uh, on the (laughs) software we use and it confuses me because I'm easily confused. Yeah, maybe. I do that deliberately. I like to keep things fresh. Yeah, variety is the spice of life, right? Yeah, something, I guess. That or Chipotle. I'm not quite sure. Well, you could get it something different at Chipotle every time. I don't know. I, th- I was going to say, I don't know if I've eaten at Chipotle, but I think I have once. And I didn't oh, really? get food without food poisoning. You got food poisoning at Chipotle? No, I didn't get food poisoning at Chipotle. Oh, good. Yeah, my fiance is obsessed with Chipotle, so we're there quite often. Yeah, don't you remember that whole thing where people were like getting super oh, sick? Oh, the romaine lettuce or whatever? I don't know. I didn't really Yeah, that's not attention. a problem anymore. Everything's fine now. Good. <laughs> so, they all but, died or what? Yeah, so no, but there's no more complaining anymore. Oh, well, see, that's how it works. Yeah, exactly. So um, they actually really, uh, they don't mind you carrying in uh, Chipotle either. Really? Well, at least concealed. Well, nobody's going to say anything concealed. Well, they don't have a sign like some other restaurants do around here. Well, some restaurants that even have signs, I maybe I can't read properly when I walk in. Concealed means concealed. That's right. <laughs> well, that's they not what we're talking about. I, they won't know till I start breakdancing. Till I start breakdancing. I'd love to see that happening. Oh, man. Back in the day, I could. Not anymore. Oh, I believe it. Um, but we're not talking about that today. We're talking about, uh, it's kind of going to be a two-part episode. Um, we're going to yeah. get to current events cause there's some uh, interesting things going on, um, over the summer. Some, it seems like not some, much happens over the summer. happening. Yeah. It seems like not much usually happens gun wise over the summer, but, uh, there's a couple things and it's been yeah, a while since we've done one. And there's not really like any new guns that come out during the summertime. I mean, there's, there are some, some things that do come out, I guess, but it's not like January, like shot show time or. All the cool stuff comes out. So. Right. It's just like the beginning of uh, the beginning of the year. It's usually when most of the cool stuff comes out or whatever. But yeah, but starting quarter three. Yeah. Yeah. The end of the or year. Gets actually, we're too. almost we're almost starting quarter four. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're almost at Q four. We're only we're halfway through Q three. Just about. Man, where have I been? Out. <laughs> That's for sure. Um. But yeah, we're going to talk about uh, safe storage and um, staging your firearms uh, in your house mm-hmm. if uh, if need be and uh, different storage options and what you should maybe and shouldn't do and the considerations that you have um, for your house and uh, and storing those firearms. So, mm-hmm. um, which actually does kind of play into concealed carry a little bit because, you know, let's say you come home from a long day of carrying or whatever and you want to you know, maybe not wear your gun for while you're at home. 
What do you do with it? Right. Um, I usually just throw it on the counter and let my kids, you know, eat dinner around it. Makes sense. No, I do not. It's like that person in Alaska. Did you hear about that? Uh-oh, I did That was part of the reason I uh, wanted to do this episode. There was, um, I believe, a 14-year-old or maybe even younger. Maybe it was four. I couldn't remember. But a, a, a young child um, was found a gun on the kitchen counter, and it was loaded and was handling uh-huh. it and uh, injured themselves. Maybe killed themselves. I couldn't remember, but it's um, oh, had a bad day uh, and uh, had a tragedy one way or another. So, um, yeah, that's terrible. And it's important. I mean, if you know, I don't have kids, but you have kids. And so you have to consider your house and your household and who's coming in and out and, um, you know, what what you have to do uh, to secure your firearms when you're not using them, you know, and balance that yeah. between having them easily accessible, but also secured. That's a big deal. And and I don't know, and I think most gun owners get it, but I think there is still a segment that just get really lazy about it or they don't think about that part of the responsibility of being a gun owner. When I first started becoming a gun owner, I didn't necessarily think about a safe or anything like that. I lived in an apartment that was, uh, had a secure entrance and then, a you know, a lock on my door. I thought, okay, well, nobody's really going to bust in here or whatever. But then you start thinking about it. Like what if something did happen or somebody made it past the mm-hmm. secure entrance and decided to pick my apartment or whatever, like I'd feel terrible if that, you know, if that gun got out and, you know, heaven forbid was using a crime or something like that. So, um, eventually I ended up buying a, like a, a security locker and then, a, and then afterwards a safe. So, I was going to say in, in the current climate, you know, the gun, the gun grabbers or the anti-gunners, whatever you want to call them, they're getting to the point where they're wanting to prosecute the original gun owner if it's used in a crime, whether your kid took it to, you know, do whatever, or your gun was stolen, you, you legally purchased a gun and it was stolen and used in a crime. There's a lot of politicians that want to uh, hold you legally responsible right, for that. Which is bizarre and ridiculous because it's not the gun that's the problem, right? It's, we, we, you know, sing it to the choir here, but it, it's terrible. And what they're trying to do, obviously, is, you know, scare you from buying a gun. Sure. And I mean, I guess I can understand the point where it's that you should think about, you know, or you should be a responsible gun owner and you should have a strategy or a way to store your firearms securely so that unauthorized people can't have them. But the reality is, and I think we've talked about it before, is that no security is perfect. And, uh, you know, eventually, um, you know, with enough time and with enough, you know, gumption, somebody can can take whatever they want from your house, whether it's guns or valuables or whatever. Absolutely. It happens all the time. Yeah. And I mean, history, history proves that always. And so, but you have to do the best that you can to be able to, you know, mitigate those, those risks and, um, and to prevent, you know, as much as you can, any, any unauthorized people from, from getting to your firearms. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, even just a, a lockbox or a safe, uh, or anything in between, you really have to think about what your situation is and what it allows, you know, obviously, you know, I think the, the thing that comes into mind, uh, first and foremost is kids, you know, if you have kids in your home, yes. um, that's what you need or, or grandkids. Yeah. Kids or grandkids. Cause I think that gets overlooked too. Oh, I don't have, you think so? I'm an old guy now. Yeah, I think so. They, they figure, oh, I don't have kids to worry about. My grandkids, they're hardly ever here. 
But like you said, kids are smart. They're going to find stuff that they're not supposed to find or go places they're not going to go because they're curious. Yeah. I, I mean, I was the man at getting into things when I was the, a little kid. Oh, really? So, oh, man. I was precocious. All the places you shouldn't have been? I could get into, you know, whatever my dad had locked up, whether it was like a, a piggy bank or something, I could get into it. That doesn't surprise me in the least, actually. Yeah, I was I was a thief as a child, you know. <laughs> um, but and that's but that's how tragedies do happen. I mean, you, oh, yeah. If you let's say you leave it up, you know, maybe you have a gun on the top of the closet or behind the bed or something like that. They're going to find it or they're going to find a way to get up there, um, you know. And even if you, I think you can teach your kids, you know, as well as you can about firearms and not to touch mm-hmm. them and all that kind of stuff. But it's better not to just leave it open and say, or leave it out in the open and say, well, don't touch yeah. that. It's, you know, why would you take that risk? You know? Well, I can teach my kids, but I can't teach my kids friends. Either. There's also that. That's the other, that's the other thing you really got to consider. I, I know for a fact that my son's friends know I'm a gun guy. I mean, it's probably pretty obvious <laughs> to anybody that's any of my, my kids friends, but that's that's another thing is you know my son is responsible like i trust him sure but i don't know about his friends you know i can i can know who they are and know their parents or whatever but it could be something that seems fairly benign like hey check out this new gun my dad bought or something and and it could be bad yeah i could end up bad so it's not just your children. You might think, yeah, I've taught my kids. They know not to touch my guns. We go shooting. They're responsible. Great. But what about their homies that come in that, you know, your son wants to show off your new toy. You know what I'm saying? Oh, sure. It's, it's super dangerous and it's very irresponsible. Well, and the same thing you could even say if you have people over to your house and they maybe you trust your friends, but maybe your friend brings a friend over or something and they note, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they're not so savory and they notice that you have guns or, um, you know, they want, they've been drinking a lot or whatever and they want to see one, you know what I mean? It just, there's a lot of, a lot of gray area there and a there's, lot of risks that there, you don't need to take. There is, there is a lot of what if to it. And, and a lot of those what ifs can be mitigated, but the, the X factor of you don't know what a person is going to do or how desperate that person might be at any time, family member or not. It's just not worth the risk. Right. And that's, you know, that's, I think, part of anybody's kind of gun storage, safe storage and security plan is secrecy, for lack of a better term. You don't necessarily have to be like a closet gun guy and never talk to anybody about it or gun gal, for that matter. Um, I, I think it should be the exact opposite, personally. I think you should be very vocal about maybe not necessarily the guns that you own, but your positive attitude towards the Second Amendment. That's just the way I feel. Your close friends are going to know you're a gun person. I mean, they're going to know because if anybody's like me, they're going to talk about it. Yeah. And you'll um, be able to make friends that way. And, but that's with people you trust. Um, yeah, you know, I, I guess the, what I'm going to say is uh, what I want to say is I'm not going to broadcast the fact that I own guns to people no. that on social media or people that I just met. I, you know, I've never, I think I've, I've got a couple of pictures shoot of shooting on my social media accounts, but I mean, not a ton, you know, I'd rather just not, like I said, I not I don't want people to think that I'm like not a, a supporter of the Second Amendment and all that. You know, obviously being on a podcast. 
but there's no use advertising a break in. Right. Especially like what, you know, what if you have some really nice guns or, or heaven forbid some NFA stuff, like let's say, you know, if I had a couple silencers or, uh, you know, even a machine gun or something, you know, that's kind of, yeah, that could be a pretty big deal. Yeah, that's like kind of like, I guess I, I equate it to the same way as talking about if you inherited some like jewels in the, or like some sort of jewelry or like gold from the family and you kept it just kind of out in the open or maybe somewhere that wasn't that secure and told a bunch of people that's going to, you know, that word might get around and that might get to the wrong person, you know? Well, let me give you an example and it, and it's not a firearm, but it is an heirloom. Sure. My, uh, my brother, man, maybe I've told you this story before. I can't remember. So my brother was, was given something that, that my grandfather had that, um, he worked a long time for. It was something that was very special to my grandfather and, and my brother, um, had, a, had an interest in the same thing. And so my grandfather, gave this or my grandma did maybe after he died, I can't remember, but gave it to my brother. Mm-hmm. Right. And my brother, my brother cherished it. He was super proud of it. It it was totally awesome. Um, but through carelessness and maybe not choosing the best of friends, he came home one day and it was gone. Wow. And he doesn't know who it was. It was somebody obviously that knew how to get into his apartment yeah, it was gone. And and we're talking something that was I bet you it was in the realm of probably five to ten thousand dollars worth of value. Yeah, that's I mean, that's not only a lot of money, but the emotional or the uh sentimental value of that, you know, item would mm-hmm. it would just make you feel terrible, you know. Yeah. And and my brother and I, he he's super pissed about it. I mean, this was years ago. <laughs> but he's ago. still mad. But uh oh I'm sure he is and, and I'm kind of frustrated too. But it's not necessarily his fault, and maybe there is. I don't know. I'm not going to get into you know whose fault it was, but nonetheless, was it secure? And that's the same thing you have to think about with your firearm because that is it is it's financially valuable. Um, it's valuable as far as you know a life saving device. It it could be used to to save you or your family or your neighbor or whatever. But it's also a huge responsibility because it can take a life. Right. And you have to be the one to decide how fast, you know, how accessible they are versus how, how safely they're stored, you know, and you can, the thing I was thinking about is that you can actually kind of mix and match, you know, I brought up like the concealed carry thing when you get home, you know, if you don't have any kids, maybe you can put it on your counter or put it on your table or your nightstand or in your nightstand or something. But, um, you know, they, there's so much technology and there's so many things out there now that you can get, um, to safely oh, store firearms, but are also pretty quickly accessible. Um, you know, there's really no reason not to. What's that uh, that biosecurity thing we have at the store? Uh, Vault-Tec. Um, Vault-Tec. Those things are, are freaking cool. Yeah. They're not cheap. They're not cheap. <laughs> but you're paying for something that is freaking awesome as far as quick access and secure Yeah, Voltec makes a whole bunch of different kinds of uh, quick access, bo- access boxes. Uh, even like just a pistol storage kind of cabinet almost. It holds like, I think, eight different pistols or something and sits on a desk or something like that. You can bolt it to different things. Yeah, it can be bolted. You could put it in the trunk of your car or whatever. They're freaking cool. Yeah. And, and they have biometrics. They have uh, an electronic uh, combo lock. You just press the buttons. Um, you can You can access it from your phone. Like, you know, you can... There's an app for your phone. I think there's even an accelerometer or something in there that if it gets stolen, 
it notifies your phone, say, hey, somebody's messing with your yeah, stuff. Yeah, if it gets moved or shaken or something like that, I think it sends a note to your phone. There's a there's another um another product out there called the gun box that is RFID and uh, fingerprint. So it's biometric as well. And yeah, it's connected to the, to the Wi-Fi. Um, it actually has a battery backup in case you know, the power's cut or whatever. And it'll tell you if it, if there's an issue or if somebody moves it, or I think it even has a GPS locator in it. If you know, haven't proved something, it actually gets like taken out of your house. And how cool is that? Now, like I said, it's not the cheapest thing, but it's definitely cheaper than an attorney. Right. You're going to definitely pay, you know, good money for some of this quick access stuff. But at the same time, you know, it, you could, it could save your life and it could save somebody else's life by preventing them access. Yeah. And because, um, oh, go I was ahead. Gonna say, and there's, there's other alternatives, obviously, maybe some that are less secure than a vault Like my, I have a Liberty safe. Um, I can get into it fairly quickly. Uh, but my wife, it's a, it's a dial. It's not a push button. Mm-hmm. So my wife struggles with it a little bit. But when I had it at the shop there in my office, I mean, I could get into it pretty quickly. Oh, sure. And but, that's uh, that's kind of another choice that you have to make, too, with locks. I mean, I remember yeah. in our safes episode, old man Rob talked about uh, the different kinds of locks there are and that there's biomechanical. I mean, I'm sorry, there's, you know, biometric with like a fingerprint. Mm-hmm. There's RFID. There's um, mechanical and dial locks, uh, push button locks. Um, all different kinds of locks, and you have to think about what you would use the best. Yeah, and I want one with a retinal scanner. Make me feel really. Oh, that'd be pretty make cool. Make me feel super awesome. Yeah, I can only imagine how expensive that would be. <laughs> Maybe one that pricks my finger and tests my blood. <laughs> yeah, that's quick access right there. Um, I like uh, RFID. Seems pretty cool to me. Um, because you can, it's kind of almost a wearable technology. Like you can get one of those. Like a watch um, or something with it. Or or like a ring or a silicone bracelet. Remember those, like, remember the Livestrong bracelets? Yeah. You can get those with RFID chips in it. And all you have to do is hold it up to, you know, your quick access box or your safe or anything like that. And it pops right open. I mean, because I've, I've read a lot about biometrics and, you know, where it won't. I mean, think about it with your phone. Maybe your phone doesn't read your fingerprint perfectly mm-hmm. every time. You know, do you want to be fumbling around if something's happening, trying to get that thing open? And technology is, I think it's super interesting and fascinating is it's come so far in not a huge amount of time. Like in the last two years, the the RFID and the fingerprint stuff has come leaps and bounds. That uh, Oh, it's way better than what it was. Yeah. So I think there's probably people maybe listening out there that are like, I've seen those stupid fingerprint safes. They never work. You have to use your finger like 16 times if it ever reads. So this new stuff, uh, like those vault I think you can store like 250 fingerprints. So you can, Yeah, you so can you can do all 10 fingers, all 10 toes. <laughs> of you and your spouse and, and somebody else you want to have uh, access to it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's just like a smart lock nowadays on your um, on your front door where, yeah. you know, you can set different people, different accesses at certain times or you can have somebody always have access or turn people's access on and off. It's you can pretty much do whatever you want nowadays. And the other thing I like, and, and I'm sure there's others other than vault right? But it's not just stuck to the electronic stuff. It comes with a key. 
So you're not, yeah. Because there might be people like, well, what if Big Brother comes in and locks me out of my stuff? Well, there's a key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a there is a redundancy there. I think on most of them, there's a key, and I think the key is like a in a the keyhole's in a hidden location, or um, yeah. there's other ways to do it because you have to think about that too. Um, but uh, most of these have battery backups now too. If the power gets cut and there's you know you're not worried about and you're worried about the electricity, they have battery backups that last for I think six hours or something. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. Um, and yeah, who knows what will be in the next couple of years, what we'll see, um, you know, but being able, I think, to be notified about things when you're not home as well, when you're not, you know, near your firearms um, is kind of gives you some peace of mind as, as well, you know. Right. Um, another thing that you can, you know, think about, I, and I, I guess I talked about it briefly through secrecy, but um, not necessarily secrecy, but um just uh, clever hiding places. I don't know if you've ever seen any of those, like um, those, the tactical walls yeah, or anything those, like that. I think those are cool. Like I totally want to build some of that stuff, but it isn't secure. Um, but it is out right, of sight, and, out of mind. I mean, it, most people aren't going to know that you have this cool sliding mirror that you can hide your long gun inside of. But it, I think it's cool. I think it's cool too. I mean, I would want to do one in my house at some point, um, but it does make that balance between it, or you have to find that balance between security and accessibility. You know, uh, you know, what do you want to have accessible, you know, while you're at home? What do you not want to have accessible when you're not at home? You know what I mean? Like, because I think we've talked about it before is that if something's happening, but you know, your gun, any of your guns are in your safe and you can't access them, you know, and there's somebody in your home, then it's no good. Yeah. And I don't mind the idea of staging firearms. So tell me why you're good with staging firearms. So I, you know, we talk about those shelves and the, the hidden walls and stuff, and I'm cool with staging firearms as long as, uh, a, my authorized people know where they're at in case I go down for some reason. Um, and that they're secure enough or hidden enough that they're not obvious. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's a, you have to keep them. There's some obscurity there that you have to to keep in mind because if you're home and somebody breaks in, you know, or you have friends over or something like that, you don't want them just laying out on the table. No, unless you're trying to intimidate him for some reason, and that might <laughs> might be considered brandishing and possibly assault. So I wouldn't recommend it, even in your own house. Yeah, silliness. I don't, um, you know, in, in all my years of doing carpentry, there's been a few houses that I was able to create some cool things. Um, oh, I'm sure. That, uh, that are effective. Um, but the problem is, is now I know where they're putting them. So if I ever go to their house, I know where to go first. Sure. Not that I would ever do such a thing. There's also, there's that trust factor and you're a trustworthy guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's totally it. Well, and you're not divulging their secrets right now, you know? No, and I would never. I, uh, I'll respect who they are and what they have. I'm you not, can trust Steve. I'm not that guy. But, you know, you want to also keep, you know, your secrets a secret. If you, you know, have a tactical wall or like a shelf or anything kind of hidden, yeah. hidden away for access, don't show everybody how cool it is. That's probably yeah. the tough part. Check this out. This is so awesome. Yeah, right. Then it goes- like, believe it or not. So when I, I did this as a project about... Oh, five, six years ago, just kind of for fun. 
I took an old, I saw it online and I'm like, I could do that. I took an old pop machine and actually turned it into a gun safe. Cause I'm like, well, it's pretty heavy. There's a hefty lock on it. That's pretty and cool. And nobody's ever going to guess. Until you showed it to everybody. Until I, whenever we had people over, I would show everybody, Hey, check this out. This thing's pretty cool. And then look, <laughs> it lights up on the inside when you open the door, just like a fridge. Way to go. Way to go. And, but the funny part was that everybody's first question was, does it actually vend soda? <laughs> <laughs> You're, I'm not that ingenious. That would be sweet. So, but I, 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 who knows? Maybe I'll do that again. I had to leave it in uh, Illinois uh, when I moved to Idaho. I wasn't exactly going to haul that thing over. That's pretty cool, though. It's a cool idea. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, security through obscurity kind of thing. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of that. Um, but like I said, it also had a big lock on it, and it was heavy, and you couldn't, you know, so you couldn't really break into it. Um. I- I think it'd be cool if it actually vented the guns out to you. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Like a vending machine? Yeah, like the soda machine at the store where it goes and grabs the the soda out of the tray and (laughs) puts it on the conveyor belt. That'd be freaking cool. And loads the mags for you. Oh, that'd even be better. Right? That's like we're getting into robot territory, but, um, you know, just you can, you're pretty much only limited by your creativity as long as you are secure, I think. And, and you have to, you know, know what your situation is at home. Um, you know, if there's kids or people coming over or like even like a cleaning service or landscaping or anybody that, you know, yeah. comes into your home, you know, maybe know. they're the curious type. I'm not sure why you have your landscaper come into your house, but. <laughs> maybe they, maybe they trim the indoor plants. Maybe. But or like yeah. a, a babysitter and, you know, anybody that yeah. you kind of trust when you're not there, you have to, you have to make sure that those people don't have access or don't know that uh, you have those things. Yeah. And you, and you're having to accept a level of risk, right? I mean, that's just part of the deal. And honestly, we accept risk every day when we wake up and drive to work. Sure. But, uh, but I don't know. Some of that though, I, I could see it being a little bit of cost prohibitive. I mean, I don't know what a used vending machine costs. Or, you know, or what it took to convert it. I think it's a cool idea. But even those concealed walls and stuff, I look at the price that they're charging for some of those. And I'm like, that's so stupid. Yeah. Because I, I guess I know what I could build it for. Maybe that's why I think it's silly. Well, and that's, yeah, I mean, it's their intellectual property. And I mean, they the the tray that they're the actual like panel they have is pretty cool. I would pay for the mm-hmm. panel maybe. But um, yeah, it, it doesn't cost that much to put a hole in the wall. And then put, you know, make a frame out of wood if you're, if you're the handy type. So, you know, don't yeah, be afraid of maybe trying that stuff yourself. I mean, that could be really cool stuff. You could make a little Molly, a little Molly webbing you could put in there and that could be I'm getting some ideas, you know? Well, of course, if you're a homeowner, <laughs> that's the other thing. If you rent your house or uh, you're in an apartment or a trailer or mobile home or anything like that, you're going to have a tougher time doing that stuff. Yeah. They might not really look too kindly to it. Yeah. And that's one thing to check too. I mean, if you're, um, if you're looking for a new apartment or something, you don't necessarily want to tell the landlord that you've got firearms, I would say, but, you know, ask if you can bolt a safe to the wall or to the floor, because, um, you know, talking about safes, going back to safes, you want to make sure that you have, you know, you, you're bolting it to the wall or to the floor, or even with those quick access, access boxes, um, that you're bolting that to your bed or to your nightstand or anything, because mm-hmm. what's to stop somebody from just picking it up and taking it away and figuring it out, you know, how to open it later after they already have everything. Well, that's why I kind of laugh when I see like those fire boxes for sale at Home Depot or whatever. Oh and, yeah. Uh, those are so easy to get into. 
like I could go into my my tool shed and I could have it open within I don't know as long as it takes me to roll out an extension cord or even if I had a cordless skill saw. Well, and that, you, you bring up a good point about that too, because maybe you have a bunch of tools in your garage, you know, maybe either some fancy woodworking tools or sawzalls or something, uh, or even drills. What's to stop somebody from going into your garage if those aren't secured and taking it to your safe, or maybe you have a crowbar or maybe you're, you have just a security cabinet, you know, what's to say that somebody can't just rip that thing off the wall and can just drag it out, you know? And it seems like I remember hearing a story like that where, where somebody did that. I'm sure it's happened before. I feel like somebody told me a story and I don't know if it's true or not, or if I'm just making it up, but somebody, a group of thieves came to a house that they knew had a safe full of guns and they like wrapped a chain around the safe and hooked it up to a truck and literally yanked the safe out of the garage. (laughs) Like something completely like crazy, like Fast and the Furious or Ocean's Eleven style stuff, something, you know what I mean? But that. That's ridiculous. Right, but it may have happened. The Italian job called well. <laughs> Italian job called well. Love it. Um, but you have to think about those things, and that's you know layering your security together. So my my kind yeah. of philosophy is that you know use the safe for the guns you're not using right now. Stuff that you know maybe you bring out to the range every once in a while, um, or you know that just maybe that are antiques or anything, you know, that you, you don't use regularly, but, um, you know, at least having uh, a firearm that you maybe either conceal carry every day or carry one way or another, um, or that you use all the time, that would be one that you would want to have at a quicker access, you know? Yeah. Like if, if I have my house gun, you know, whatever it is, handgun, AR, something, somewhere that I can get to it quick enough, but it stays secure enough, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I remember building a um an antique looking case for a double berry like a coach gun for this for this old boy. It actually turned out pretty dang cool. And uh-huh. he bought he bought I don't it was a new coach gun, but it looked like the old Wells Fargo. Oh, cool you know, double double barrel. It's it's a pretty cool gun, really. Yeah. But he keeps that. It's in glass in the in this box that I built him, but he can get to it quickly and it's right by the front door if he needs to. Would I necessarily do that? Probably not. Cause it looks like I'm just advertising. Right. Um, you know, Hey, free gun, break glass, take home type thing. <laughs> but, uh, but just in case, I mean, he's got it there. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and maybe, you know, if he's retired, he's home most of the time, 98% of yeah, the time or something, except for maybe going to the grocery store. All, all the time he's home. Right. You know, and, and that's a thing too. Maybe you work from home, uh, you know, you can have your guns out a little bit more, um, or it makes more sense to do that because you're around them more. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, maybe if you travel a lot or, uh, you've got, you know, you, or you travel for work or you go on vacation, I don't know, you know, you're not going to be as home often. You, you got to take those into consideration. Well, even, you know, that kind of makes me think of something else. I went to, uh, Zion's national park uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Obviously, I'm going to lock up stuff at home when I'm not there. Um, anything that I may or may not have staged around the house, if if I did or didn't do. <laughs> but I still, I also uh, made sure I traveled with something that I had to make secure in my vehicle. That was going to be the next point I was going to bring up. Was we've talked about the house and focused on the house for a while, but you know, when you're out and about and you're in a car and, you know, I just took a road trip to Salt Lake city and you took a road trip to, to Zion's park and all that. What do you do in those situations? Yeah. So, uh, 
I'll tell you off air, but there's some really cool things that I've learned uh, because I don't really want to advertise free guns. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. But uh, but there are ways you can secure your firearms. Like I had a good friend that would carry two ARs in his truck, but he was the way he would secure them is he would run a cable lock, like a bicycle lock, not like the cheap, stupid cable locks that come with the guns. Right. But a, a bicycle lock through, so he'd you know he'd up tear apart the gun the the ar so leave the front pin in there but then he would run the lock through the upper receiver and then down through the magwell oh wow. the ar yeah and then and then hook it around the frame of the seat so it would take quite a bit of effort for somebody to um get that out of his truck and yeah, you have to know take what them. you're doing yeah so and i thought that was kind of an ingenious idea now is it quick for him to get to not super quick but it's there as a tool if you needed it yeah it's it's there and i mean if you're in your car you might have a little bit more time depending on what the threat is but that's yeah. that's a good way to and and maybe while you're driving you know that that's the thing is where maybe while you're driving you want it accessible so you can you know mm-hmm. have the ar together and have it in the, in the seat next to you or what have you um you know but if you're not in your car um, you want to make sure those things are secure as possible. Um, you know, I, and one thing I noticed, one thing I noticed is I was, you know, looking for vehicles to purchase that a lot of the newer cars have cubbies all over the place now that that'll fit, you know, a nice subcompact or a magazine or whatever that still works. You don't have to modify your car, but they'll still fit a firearm just right. And they're fairly accessible. Yeah, there are a lot of little nooks and crannies, especially with you have an, an SUV or a pickup truck or anything like that. There's a lot of places that you could probably store something that a lot of people wouldn't think to do. Um, but one thing mm-hmm. I would advise against is keeping a, a gun in your car all the time, even when you're not in it, because 90% yeah. of the time your car is parked outside somewhere or even in your garage. Um, but let's say it's parked at work, you know, and you leave a gun in the office or you have, um, you leave a gun in your car while you're in the office, um, mm-hmm. you know, or you have like a truck gun or something like that. And again, it's going to vary depending on your situation, you know, out in the country, it may be one thing, but in the city, you know, I mean, think about how many people are, are passing by your car all the time every day all the time and you don't I think mean, somebody's gonna look in there and, all the time right and it's so if you leave a gun in a car all the time i don't think it's necessarily a matter of if it's a matter of when well look at the crackheads they'll go and they'll you know they'll break in your windows for a couple bucks in your ashtray yeah they and won't think, think anything people, of it yeah and if they're desperate enough to to take a couple bucks man if they can find anything else of value and guns are valuable on the street they'll uh They'll do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, they don't care. Um, and they'll tear your car up trying to look for stuff too, especially maybe if they've cased you or they know that you have a firearm or something like that. Um, you know, but having something as simple as a lockbox with a bicycle, uh, you know, a bicycle lock, a cable tie, um, you know, wrapped around the seat or something, that's, you know, better than nothing. Or putting it in the trunk. If you have, a you know, a sedan or something, that's a good option too. Um, you know, there's even people who make things that you can have secure storage and, uh, you know, install it into your vehicle. Now, granted, you're getting into some car mods and stuff like that, but. Well, BlackRack, you know, we carry BlackRack at the shop. Yeah. And, and they're freaking cool, but they're also not cheap. Yep. Yeah. They're not cheap. And you know, they, they hold the gun out right there. You know, it's, it's not necessarily hidden away, I guess. And it's not chintzy 
bull crap either. This is stuff that's been designed and used by the United States military. Yeah, it's military grade. Police use it in duty cars. I mean, it's not it's not <laughs> stuff you mess around with, but it is permanent modification and it's also expensive. Yes. So you just have to think yeah. about what your situation is, you know? It, it, it is pretty cool though. Oh, it's of course it's cool. Otherwise, why, what's the whole point of having it if it's not cool? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, your car is kind of an extension of your home a little bit. And so you have to make sure you think about, you know, or because maybe let's say you have to go to the post office and you walk into the post office, but you're carrying that day. I mean, what are you going to do? Just put the gun on your on your passenger seat or what? Well, and and a long time ago, was it the Castle Doctor we talked about? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where your vehicle counts as your domain or domicile or whatever the termination is. Determination. Determination. Yeah, whatever the term is, is I think it's. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's you can defend yourself in your vehicle if you need to, and uh, you better a if if you are planning or preparing for anything like that, you not need to have a good safe place that's accessible in a hurry, or uh, don't don't do it. Yeah. And that's, that's part of just general gun ownership, I think. And, and concealed carrying is that, it, you know, if you're going to carry a gun or own a gun, you have to have a place that's, you know, as a responsible gun owner to store it safely, but also accessibly. And, and it all really is dependent on, you know, your own situation. Um, yeah. Because, uh, you know, we, we can't tell you exactly what to do and we don't want to talk about what our secrets are, like you said, about how we, you know, store things, but, um, but that's something that you got to take seriously. So. And the other thing is, is it's not, like whatever you're planning for prepping for you know, it's not my gunfight it's your gunfight so uh, i can't really advise you on much because i don't know your total situation i don't know you know that it's totally your gunfight so you need to make those determinations to, <laughs> did i say it right that time yes and i'm struggling <laughs> but uh but yeah you know what i'm saying it's it, you can get advice, you can watch videos or whatever, you can talk to, you know, security experts, whatever. But ultimately, it's your job to keep you safe, not mine. 100%. And you have to just, and basically the, the big takeaway here is that you have to assess your own situation and look and see what works best for you and spend the time and spend the money to get it right because mm-hmm. the consequences are are not good otherwise. And, and good stuff isn't cheap. No. And, but... You know, I think that you and I both agree if you buy once and cry once, then you're then you're done with it and you don't have to worry about it again. Yep. Like I read today, I think it was good stuff isn't cheap and cheap stuff isn't good. Love it. <laughs> that's true. Grandpa, grandpa wisdom, you know. Well, that's uh, yeah, that's like uh, don't skimp on anything that you put between you and the floor. Yeah. Yeah, there's some good life advice there word <laughs> so uh but we'll pivot over to uh to some current events hopefully we gave you some food for thought with uh staging guns and safe storage and all that um and and honestly what do you guys think like jump online tell us what you think and and uh, obviously like like i don't expect you to say where you guys keep stuff or or whatever that's excuse me that's not what i'm trying to get to but what are your suggestions if man ginger beer excuse me yeah buddy that's good, good stuff. What are your suggestions as far as, um, you know, or, or opinions as far as staging guns in your home or, or quick access in case you need to, or traveling with a fireman in your car? 
what do you, what are your suggestions or what would you not suggest? Yeah. What's your strategy? What are your do's and don'ts? Uh, let us know, you know, on the Facebook. So, um, but no, I think you had, you had uh, some interesting uh, drama coming from the NRA. Yeah. So I think we talked about this or touched on it quite a while ago. If you guys haven't really been paying attention to the NRA stuff, uh, maybe you don't even care. Um, so Wayne Lampierre, who is the executive vice president, I think is what his official title is. He's uh-huh. he's been taking some heat, which he needs to be, uh, you know, spending a lot of the organization's money on personal trips and and girlfriends and suits and like and we're talking frivolous, wasting millions of dollars that uh, that NRA members are putting into an organization to save their gun rights, um, and it's like ridiculous the amount of money he spends. Yeah, that's it's. A lot of political BS, really. I mean, that that you shouldn't. Yeah, and it's um, it's irritating because it's, that's, they ask, you know, they ask for money all the time, or and yeah. some people do give money to the NRA, and it's you know, that money's going towards trips or whatever. It's not going to fight for your gun rights, and that's frustrating. And it's it's to the point, like uh, even the board, like the board will not vote to to dismiss him. Uh-huh. So I don't know who what what friends he has in his pockets, or you know what they're making and they, and members of the board make a lot of money too. Like it used to be uh, a complete volunteer volunteer uh, office, yeah, but it's not anymore. They, they're getting paid now. And so now these people are protecting their own pocketbooks by not really fixing any problems. And it's super, super frustrating. And, and I was telling you off the air, even, you know, LaPierre's wife is making money off the organization through a separate firm or a business that she created. Wow, and so yeah. they're, they're making a ton of money that for years I've been paying into. And, and now to be fair, the NRA has done a lot for gun rights in the past, but it doesn't feel like they've done as much recently as they should be. And we can reference the bump stock ban and, and uh, some of the other stuff that they're, they're going through. Um, and I'm sure you're going to see more stuff that they're going to cave on shortly as well. I think triggers are going to be next binary triggers, but that's a different <laughs> yeah, that's show. a different story. But that's <laughs> nonetheless there. There's a lot, and and some of the board members. I was listening to another show the other day that there there are some of the um, some of the board members that are like this is stupid, and they've actually sent around a petition to the high dollar, you know, multi billion dollar dollar donor saying, Hey, this is what's going on. Yeah. We suggest no, we suggest no more donations. Wow. And there's actually, there's actually some, you know, $10 million. Well, I don't actually, I don't know the dollar amount, but some, but it's in the millions. I know that some million dollar plus donors that are starting to hold off on, on donations to the organization until the house gets cleaned and fixed because it needs well, and those it. Pe- and the, a lot of the people in the power there have been in there for a long time. And like you said, if they're just looking after themselves rather than actually trying to, you know, protect people's gun rights and that's not what you're there for and you got to go. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I can understand getting compensated for for some of the stuff that they do, because um, it can't be easy. Like even, even just dealing with the politics of the Second Amendment is str- stressful and frustrating. I totally get it, and I could sure. see making I could see making you know sixty thousand dollars a year. Most of these people on the board are successful business owners. They make a bunch of money at their day job. I don't understand why they need to make a bunch of money. On a volunteer job. Maybe it's just a greed thing. And it's sad because the only people that are really losing are the members of the NRA. 
And the everyday people be, who are sending in part of their, uh, yeah, their paychecks every, every year or every month or whatever. Yeah. And it's, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Honestly. Um, you know, we'll keep you posted on the situation. It's sad that, uh, an organization that is actually the oldest civil rights organization in the United States has to deal with this. I, I hope the organization doesn't die. I think at the heart, the NRA does, good things for gun owners, but they just need to fix a couple things. I imagine most of it's in the leadership and the bureaucracy and just how maybe bloated and, and slow that that's become. Yeah, um, and it's super you know. sad, but you know, what do you do? Well, you can go turn to the GOA or uh, yes, local yes, state run. Uh, yeah. The gun owners of America or the firearms policy coalition. I think there are some, you know, some grassroots organizations that are really, I think, going to to fill in that void um, that the NRA is kind of creating um, for itself. Yeah. And it's it's dangerous for the organization. I mean, it really could put the organization in financial jeopardy as far as taxes and nonprofit status and stuff. Hopefully they can get it figured out. Right. You just got to get the right people out. <laughs> yes. And, and Wayne needs to go. Like, it, it, he needs gone. Whether he did anything nefarious or not, the image and the precedent has been set in the minds of the public. He's got to go. Well, and that's I, I don't know. I don't know if we've talked about it before, but sometimes perception is reality, and that's you know where we've talked about being a good steward of of the gun world and being a kind of a, a model gun owner. Um, you know, even if you say the wrong thing to the wrong person or maybe post the wrong thing on social media or whatever, you could leave a bad taste in somebody's mouth, and you you've lost a potential ally. You know. Yeah. And so relating back to the NRA, it's if the average public sees, you know, all this kind of misconduct or, you know, the not the most responsible use of funds, it's going to put a bad taste in people's mouth and turn a lot of people, gun owners or not off to the off of the NRA. Yeah, it's it gives ammunition to the anti-gunners, too. Exactly. That's the problem. Exactly. So we don't want that to happen. Mm -mm. So, um, well, but, oh, but join your, join your local, you know, your state groups or gun owners of America that could join those groups. Yeah. Do look it. at the alternatives that I think the best thing, you know, to, to put your tax dollars to is, or your, your own hard earned dollars is, uh, towards local okay. groups and, and state run groups because they're going to be able to navigate the waters a lot better in your own state. And I think make more of a change, um, that way, which, you know, then in turn would, um, you know, lead to more federal, changes at least i would imagine yeah and I, and that's really how the constitution is designed is is to f try things on a state level and then introduce them on a federal level so it's it's worth experimenting on the state side first well and you get i think that state legislators and state you know politicians are a little more accessible um than than federal legislators or federal politicians so you'd have a, a an easier time trying to to change the hearts and minds of those people um than federal, you know? Well, well, they better be because they were elected in by their constituents. Exactly. So they better be exactly. accessible. So, um, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll switch gears from there, um, to, uh, some more legal stuff. Uh, 3d printed guns have been banned in New York state. Did you hear about this? I have not heard about that, but am I yeah, surprised? That's, so no, not at all. The governor, Andrew Cuomo, uh, signed this into law. I think uh, he's, my, a couple, he's my favorite. I bet you he is. I, I bet, I'm sure you'd love to meet him one day. Mm -hmm. So this one's from the uh, NY Daily News. Um, 
And uh, this was from two days ago uh, on July 30th. And making, selling, transporting, or possessing 3D printed guns or other undetectable firearms is now illegal in uh, in the New York in New York State. And but the first or the the first sentence in the uh, in the article, ghost guns are now a thing of the past. Wow. Which I don't actually don't think that uh, there are because there's all these things. Such a thing as an eighty percent lower. These gun people, anti-gun people, they blow my mind, and and he is one of the worst offenders. He's, it's just silliness. Yeah, I don't understand. You know, they don't. They did. I don't understand how they can willfully not understand how firearms works, and or you know, and just make laws based on what they don't know. Well, and something that just blistered my blood the other day, and this was a Fox News report, uh-huh. and, and it wasn't wasn't necessarily on printed guns, but this was a Fox News reporter talking about the bump stock ban that uh, you know that took into effect a while ago. That he said, and this is kind of close to what he said verbatim was, the, you know, the bump stock ban which made semi-automatics fully automatic. <laughs> I remember reading that, yeah. And and it pisses me off that Fox News, who is supposed to be conservative, is not conservative. It is oh and you know, I'm over here screaming at my radio in my truck. <laughs> That's not what they do. Well, and it it doesn't it, conservative liberal doesn't matter what the news source is, it should they should be accurate. You know, they should be factually accurate and that is yeah. not factually accurate. That's the thing. And then and so no. if you're reporting things that aren't even true or factually accurate, then you're you're doing you know, you're you're not telling the truth, basically. And if, if Cuomo's worried about ghost guns, I mean, they don't exist. That there's no such thing. And I know it's a it's a coin to say something that's untraceable. I understand that. But guess what? Keeping 3D printed guns off the street does not account for the millions of guns that come through illegally from the ports or out of state through the black market that are not traceable. Right. And the other thing is how many 3D printed guns have been used in crime? Probably not many, if any at all, because they break not long after they're used. Yeah, I mean, they're... It's kind of the, the thing about 3D printed guns, at least I've, from what I've read, is it's not necessarily to, you know, make these guns that last forever. It's more of kind of just a um, a point to prove that you can you can do this. And no matter what kind of laws you'll put in, you're you know, you're not going to restrict people's rights to do what they want to do. Well, and that's exactly and to, why and to protect themselves. That's exactly why. What's his name? I can't remember his name now. Created the Liberator. That first oh, Cody Wilson from Defense Distributed. That's the one. Was was just that to yeah. to stick stick the middle finger up and say, guess what? You cannot regulate firearms. This, well, you cannot get rid of firearm. Not regulate. You cannot get rid of firearms because ingenuity takes place, and they're always going to be here. And it wasn't yeah. To, people find ways around it. And and it wasn't to be in a violent anarchist manner. It was to say, we will not tolerate it. Is what it was down to. Right. And some people have argued, too, that like, you know, sharing the information of 3D printing and and plans for 3D printing is actually part of the First Amendment and part of free press. And, you know, so it kind of muddies the waters a little bit in between and blurs the line between the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. 
but we got to think about the children. You know, they they throw this <laughs> they throw this emotional argument in there that that makes it muddy, and they do that on purpose just you know to put some kind of a compassion spin on it. Yeah, as an emotional appeal. But why aren't why aren't these same politicians going after? cell phone companies for allowing kids to have the ability to text and drive, which kills millions of teenagers every year. Or, I mean, you know, why don't they go after poverty and, and work on alleviating the poverty in the, you know, in, in poverty stricken areas or gang violence or anything like that, you know? Yeah. If they put as much effort and the same amount of money into those other things, a lot more would change and you would see probably less violence if you were actually taking care of broken families and, and poverty in, in the inner cities. I agree. But hundred percent, they, but they don't care. They want the arguments. I think this is a conspiracy side of me. I think they like having those things in their back pocket so they can always feel useful or needed. Yeah. And they, maybe they create a hysteria or something around it and, you know, or maybe they're just misinformed and they don't want to, be informed otherwise. I don't know. Well, everybody, so, everybody, every argument or every person, they all need a boogeyman. And, and right now firearms is that boogeyman. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. And this is so, um, New York, I believe is the third state to ban 3d printed guns. Uh, one of which, uh, is California and the other one's New Jersey, which won't surprise anybody. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting to hear, but I mean, I'm not sure if you can get a, um, uh, you know, like a, a Glock polymer 80 lower or an AR lower or anything like that still. And, you know, you could get a metal 80% lower uh, for an AR and make your own AR. So, yeah, I think they're, I don't, they're not my preference personally. Uh, it doesn't really appeal to me, but. But it's the principle of the matter. It, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would never discourage somebody from buying one or not being able to have access to them. Sure. I just, it's not my thing. Yeah. It's so it's, uh, but I think you and I probably both, and a lot of other people will probably agree that, uh, banning 3d printed guns is not going to help reducing gun crime in, uh, in New York. Well, they should just make murder illegal. I think it is already. Well, that's weird. Then why is it solving it? Should have solved a problem by now. <laughs> well, let's, uh, you said you had one more thing on current events, right? You know, I have actually two that are kind of tied together as one. So I'll just make it into one. Love it. So it's fair time, right? I don't, have you ever gone to any of the state fairs in Idaho? Uh, no, I've been to um, Illinois state fair and uh, county fairs here. Um, I believe the Western Idaho fair. Yeah. So you can, you know what it's like. You see the craziness and all the weirdos come out to go to the fair. There's a lot of the people watching is fantastic. Corn dogs and funnel cakes. I mean, yeah, it buddy. just goes crazy, right? It's a great time. Well, um, and I'm sure some of our listeners have probably seen this video. If not, I would highly encourage you to check it out. So the Idaho Second Amendment Alliance, um, which we uh, you know definitely encourage membership to. Very much so. Uh, Greg Pruitt, the president, went to the Canyon County Fair. So this would be in western Idaho. Uh-huh. This is not too far uh, from uh, from Boise. Not too far at all. And he's in the video, he goes to go into the fair, open carry. Now he says in the video later on. Oh, really? Yeah. He says in the video, he he's super uncomfortable walking around with an open carry gun in the fair where anybody could have access to it. Um, but that's not the principle. Right. Especially because it's crowded. And But that's not the principle of what he did. So he had a lot of members of the organization complaining that they were uh, – 
being told they could not carry open carry in the fairgrounds, um, which violates, we talked about the preemption clause. Maybe we did that off the air. It violates, it violates Idaho state law. Okay. So he wanted to just double check, you know, he wanted to give fair game to it. So as he's walking into the fairgrounds, paying his tickets, goes up to the gate and, uh, this lady's like, sir, you have to, you have to take your firearm. You can't come in. And he's like, well, you know what? Uh, it's, you're violating state law. You, you now this is not Caldwell police department. Can you carry sheriff's office? This is a private security company that the fair hired. Uh huh. No authority, right? Zero. Because the county fair is, I believe, public land, right? Your public property. It is on public property in the state of Idaho. All of all the fairgrounds are either county or city property, and uh-huh. and counties and cities cannot supersede state law. Right. That's what the preemption thing is, is that, you know, if there's if there's in some states, there are preemption clauses. But if, you know, there is no preemption clause, you as a town or a municipality cannot make your own laws and supersede, you know, your your county or state or whatever. Right. And and Greg Pruitt, uh, he knows his firearm laws back to front. Uh, He understands it. And so he didn't go in there a little bit. He didn't go in there belligerent trying to prove a point. He was super calm, used it as a teaching moment. But uh, he actually encountered, encountered – God, I cannot talk tonight – encountered uh, the first security guard. He's like, hey, man, I just want to talk to you real quick. And the guy wouldn't even like communicate. He's like, you got to talk to the fair officials. I'm not, I'm not dealing with – because he had a video camera, obviously. Oh, jeez. And, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. I think the guy just didn't want to go on record, right? He didn't want to have to deal with it. So then they go to the, to the, to the gate – because he wanted to go in to talk to the fair officials. They paid for their ticket, so it's not like they were trying to make a stink and prove some silly point. Sure. And that's when that's when the security lady at the gate's like, you you have to take your gun off, you're not coming in. He's like, actually, I can come in. I talked to the security guard. I'm going in to talk to the fair official. You guys are violating state law. Yeah. Nope, you can't, you can't come in. And it goes back and forth for a minute. Um, the, one of the security ladies, like, <laughs> it's pretty funny, actually. She gets on her cell phone, calls a fair official, and then you can see her whole cadence or account is just <laughs> change like, ah, oh, shit type of thing. And then she's like, yeah, you, you guys, you guys can go in. And uh-huh. so he goes straight into the fair office, talks to the, the head of the fair. And the lady's like, the lady's like, yeah, we really, you are totally allowed to open carry in the fair. We've told security that, that. Yeah, and so there's some kind of disconnect between the private security that was hired f- by the fair and fair rules that that's being muddied. And so I just wanted to bring that up to let you guys know that uh, if you're going to an Idaho State Fair, like I do not know what other states, you know, that's not what we're talking about. But in the state of Idaho, fairgrounds are owned by the counties or the cities that it's being housed in. Um you are allowed to carry. And if they want to call the cops on you, and I'm not saying make a stink and prove a point. That's, I mean, sure. Con- conceal carries, conceal carry. But, uh, uh, and honestly, I would still conceal carry in any of those places. I, I just don't, I just don't trust people, but, uh, they can't tell you to, to leave because they're putting you at risk. Are they going to accept the liability of that risk? No. Yeah, if somebody somebody does bring a gun in and they want to do some harm, or I mean, honestly, any other, uh, you know, weapon or anything, any kind of ill will that they want to do, you know what I mean? And what a perfect place to do it in a in a fairground. Not that I'm 
encouraging anybody to do that, but it is a target. No, but you're being realistic. It's a target rich environment. And that's why I would never go in a place like that without something. Right. And, um, so it's funny because this actually, this story actually got, uh, news coverage. It's on the Idaho Statesman. So if you go to idahostatesman.com or you just Google Canyon County Fair guns, you'll, you'll pull it right up. And, um, not only that, but the first place I saw it was not, and I, I, you know, I spent some time on the internet and YouTube and stuff, but the first place I saw it was through Iraq vet eight, 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 which is a national, you know, a YouTube channel, channel like, yeah. they do a ton of gun stuff. Yeah. And so it, I, I thought it was kind of interesting. And, and here's the thing that you need to realize, and they're going to try and strong arm you. If, if you so choose to open carry is they'll, they'll point to their sign out front that says something. And the verbiage would be something like no firearms or weapons allowed uh other authorized by state law or something something to the similar fact as that so the reason why it's worded that way is to discourage people from carrying but what does state law say i can open carry so you don't be discouraged by by some you know some rent a cop to <laughs> right or some or some sign that's ambiguously worded yeah. so and now it's been proven i mean it's it's a good watch of the video yourself. I haven't seen the video, but reading the article and from what you've said, it sounds like a pretty good it is, watch of the video. And it's, it, it's a good way, I would imagine, to uh, a good example of how to interact with people in a professional, calm manner uh, to, and also protect your rights at the same time. And Greg is totally cool. Like, he's not a dick. Not just in the, not, <laughs> right, exactly. Not just in this video, but any of this, any of the exchanges he has with elected officials. He keeps his calm. He understands how to win an argument. And, uh, it's, it's a good video could take, you know, he's got a, like a 20 something minute on his YouTube channel. Just, just check it out. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see if we can post that to our, uh, our social media as well. So, and then what kind of tied along with it? And I'm going to have to pull it up. I think it was a Canyon County deputy. I better, before I misquote anything, <laughs> um, no, Twin Falls County. Twin Falls County deputy. Basically, he was quoted saying is, leave your weapons at home. We'll take care of you. Really? That was the gist, that was the gist of his comment. Now, the sheriff came out and said, hey, that's not the context. Uh, we're, we're Second Amendment supporters. Interesting. But when I first read that that quote, leave your weapons at home. We'll, we'll take care of you. The government can't even take <laughs> care of itself. You know, I, I respect – you know, deputies and, and police officers that risk their life. I, I, I don't mean any disrespect, but I don't trust my safety and my family's safety is up to me, not up to the police. That's not what they're hired to do. Yeah. It's your, it's your responsibility and, and your right to do so. So it's kind of interesting. That's, that's kind of scary actually. Yeah. Twin Falls County came out with a, a letter saying, Hey, you know, that's not what he meant in the context you're you're you have the right to carry your firearm you know we're second amendment support that was the gist of the letter and you can actually find it if you spend some time online but uh yeah i just kind of thought it was interesting um it was just another one of those blood boiling things when i first read it yeah man that's kind of scary yeah 
Oh, yikes. Well, and see, even in a gun, a gun friendly state like Idaho, you're going to get other people uh, that uh, don't agree or that people who are in power who are going to say things like that and makes you think about your, uh, you know, defending your rights and, and nobody's going to do that for you. So, yeah, you can't be complacent. Idaho is changing quickly. The amount of people we're getting yeah. from out of state, um, it is changing very quickly. So stay involved and and I know some people hate talk radio. They can't handle it, but I do get a lot of information from, from talk radio. And then what it does is I don't necessarily take what they say is gospel, but I'll jump online and I'll do some research and then develop my own opinion on the situation. And I would highly encourage people to do that. Oh yeah, I would too. I mean, you want to, and that's with any news source or any information you want to take what you hear and verify it and do your own research. That's going to, um, well, it strengthens your argument and it opens your eyes to something that could be could be going on so don't take my word for it watch uh but isn't that isn't that reading rainbow don't take my word for it but uh <laughs> check it out yourself spend some time jump on the idaho second amendment Alliance page jump on their youtube channel and you can see all that stuff facebook yeah it's all over the place and check out uh, the gunners of america firearms policy coalition um you know support what you can how you can um because it's not going to protect itself. No. And it's it's a dying beast. Yeah. I'm afraid. So, well, we'll close on that for now, I think. Um, hopefully, we've given you some food for thought. And uh, if you have any feedback or anything, uh, let us know. Uh, podcast at iishooting.com or uh, send us uh, a message or anything on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Range Minded Podcast. And uh, we'll get back to you. Yeah. It'll be awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, thanks guys. Be safe. Bye. Thanks for listening to Range Minded. Find us online at Range Minded Podcast on Facebook or send us an email at podcast at iishooting.com. We're always happy to get feedback, episode suggestions, whatever you want to send us, really. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and pretty much wherever else you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.